Welcome to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, associate producer and Starista's creative copy manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges of the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, Vincent and AJ catch up with Nicole O'Rourke, CMO at Aptian. She discusses developing products that are terrific for the consumer, as well as new ways companies are learning to do business. AJ and Nicole commiserate over how cold climates affected their college careers. Vincent reads a book. Give it a listen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's me, Vincent Petrofessa, the vice president B2B products here at Starista. Starista, identity marketing company. We help you get new customers, various channels. But we're not here to talk about that. We are here to talk about the podcast that you are starting to love. And thank you for that. The Marketing Stir. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't do it alone. Joining me, my CEO, my co-host, my partner in crime, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. AJ Gupta. What's going on, AJ? Vincent, doing great here. Uh, we had our first uh, board meeting post-investment, so I feel extra relaxed uh, this Friday, and I think I'll be ready for a few drinks after this podcast. Oh, you deserve it. You deserve it. There was a lot of work that went into that board meeting here. Uh, now that we do have a board, yay, exciting stuff. Thank goodness I was not asked to put together slides or reports. Thank you for sparing me. I'm sure that's not going to be the case in the future. But yes, you certainly deserve a few drinks. So thank you for going through that. Yep. I, I made sure I plugged the podcast in the meeting for you, though. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. My demographic are uh, is the board for sure. I don't know <laughs> if I want them listening in to some of the things I say, uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> They've but, got a great sense of humor. You know, those finance guys. Yes, they do. I've met a bunch of them. Wow, are they riots. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we love them. We love them and appreciate them. But more, you know, better than that, I love and appreciate this next guest for joining us. Let me just start out. And she, I'm probably going to embarrass her by uh, some of this here. But with us one of B2B Magazine. She was named Top 50 Business to Business Marketers. She was named Communicator of the Year by the Wall Street Journal and the Business Marketing Association of New York. She's currently the CMO at Aptian. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm marketing stir welcome to Nicole O'Rourke. What's going on, Nicole? Hello. Hello, Vincent. It's so nice to be here with you today. Thank you. Uh, we're so happy to have you. Thank you for joining us. You and I were catching up earlier, talking about our East Coast, uh, you know, Northeast Coast roots. You currently are uh, on the, uh, you know, the East Coast there. But we uh, we really enjoy having you, Nicole. Tell the the listeners out there a little bit about your role there as CMO and talk about Aptian. Absolutely. Um, so, so Aptian is a global provider of uh, what the industry would call enterprise resource planning or ERP software. Uh, we do that and we provide supply chain management solutions as well to industries 
on a very specific basis. We designed the software really to meet the needs of specific industries, as opposed to providing really general software that could work for absolutely any company out there. So we think that there are some really unique challenges that certain businesses face, and we focus in particularly on process manufacturing. That's manufacturers who do things where they put things together in such a way that you can never take them apart again. Our favorite of these is probably food and beverage manufacturers, the people who make our pasta or the people who make various kinds of um, delicious beverages for us. Uh, you know, those, those are process manufacturers for us. Aptian also serves the discrete manufacturing segment. Those are, you know, manufacturers who often are in uh, things like electronics, plastics, metals. And we also serve distributors, importers, and other very focused organizations. Aptian also has some compliance solutions, and we build those for companies uh, in, again, very specific industries such as finance, healthcare, biotech, pharmaceuticals. Uh, overall, the company you know, has over 4,500 customers uh, across 20 industries and in more than 50 countries. So you know, we're really proud to help a lot of different companies in specific industries run their business day to day. You know, as chief marketing officer, for me, it's it's just a blast. First of all, I have a great team, but also I get the opportunity not only to, you know, help lead all of the aspects of our company's marketing and demand generation and communication efforts, uh, but I'm also a member of Aptian's executive leadership team, which is a fantastic group of, uh, you know, kind of hard-charging individuals. And, you know, through that, I have the opportunity to influence company strategy. So it's, you know, it's a terrific job. We have terrific teams and I'm really enjoying my time at the company. That's awesome. Thank you, Nicole. Uh, you know, we always like to ask our guests also, like what, you know, what got you here? Why marketing? Yeah. So once upon a time, long ago and far away, um, I, start, I started my university career as an organic chemistry major. And um, I loved the way molecules got combined to create, um, you know, new things, new, new, new things, new entities, um, and loved the science and hated being in the lab all the time. Um, I went to university in a place that is very cold and dark in the winter, Cornell University, and I was miserable walking to the lab in the cold and the dark and walking home from the lab in the cold and the dark. And I changed my major in college to English literature as a result. But of course, like many of us who had liberal arts majors, I then had to figure out what the heck I was going to do to earn a living with an English major. And so while in college, I started, I helped start a uh, advertising and public relations agency. And that's what got me into marketing once upon a time. Um, you know, when I came out of college, I went into public relations in New York. So, you know, I know the city well, and I worked for, I worked for a small firm, um, that did magazine public relations. So it was taking the content that was going to get published in magazines and bringing it to TV editors, newspaper editors, um, you know, kind of different media, if you will, before that magazine got published to say, hey, you know, make sure that you grab the next issue of Glamour or, um, you know, Vogue 
before it comes out. And so I had clients, everything from Tennis Magazine to Scientific American to Glamour. It was a lot of fun. It was the right time in my life to live you know, in and around New York uh, when you're young and to make no money because you don't need to eat too much anyway when you're young. You know? So that's how I got started in marketing. I love it. You know, I think that's the, you're the first person that has been on the podcast that kind of said, you know, I was involved in science and going to the lab and then I switched over <laughs> to marketing. I, that's definitely, uh, that's definitely a first. I like hearing that. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it served me well over the years because, you know, science, I think, I think all of the jobs that I've had, you've had to be curious. And I think scientists are naturally curious. So I think that part holds it together as well as a lot of the analytical skills that we need to use in B2B marketing. Um, but I find that marketing is much more in many ways collegial and social. And I like those aspects of it as well. You know, and after moving out of PR, you know, and going back for my MBA, I moved into kind of classic brand management and, um, you know, did everything uh, from running a brand through all of those classic P's, um, you know, in consumer products for one of the J&J companies, Johnson & Johnson. And it was a tremendous base, I think, for learning to lead businesses because at J&J, the marketeers are basically your general management track. So you really have responsibility for the P&L and for learning to ensure that you're not just um, making beautiful art, so to speak, with marketing, but that you're driving business forward in a way that is both terrific for the consumer, but also profitable for the company. Um, you know, so it was a great foundation to then move into other roles that I had later on in my career, more focused on things like advertising and branding and, you know, leading large corporations in terms of some of those aspects of marketing. I love that. The, the beautiful art that we're making in, in marketing. That's great. Um, Nicole, talk to me about, you know, I'm fascinated with Apti and especially the industries that you serve. You know, but during this time, what are some of the needs, some of the things that your clients are asking for right now? Yeah, well, you know, right now is a is an interesting time, right? Because we're right in the middle of this global pandemic that we all hoped uh, sincerely would be over by by now, and it's it's making for some challenges for a lot of uh, customers and a lot of businesses. And um, so our customers are asking for things that are helping them to operate remotely, you know, which shouldn't be a surprise to any of us right now. Specifically for us, those are things like expanded licenses so that their teams can work from more locations because everybody's in their own house or everybody's in different places. They can't come to a central manufacturing organization in every instance. Uh, or the teams that they bring together in a manufacturing facility may be, you know, the bare minimum. And they have some of the some of the folks who are looking at reports or data in terms of the quality of production who need to do that from uh, remote locations. And so they need more licenses for the software in order to be able to expand uh, the number of places that they're putting those into use. Um, so that's one of the things that we're seeing. The second thing that we're seeing is the need again, remotely for, for things like services and support software and specifically enterprise software, which we can think of kind of like the spine of a business. It's linking all of your inventory and your financial systems. Many of these systems are um, 
you know, highly customized and they're installed often by, you know, expert teams that come on to our client sites and work with their IT departments to put in these kinds of systems. And again, you know, many of us uh, in terms of companies are either not in our offices or we're limiting the number of visitors or the number of on-site, you know, folks who are coming in to help us. And so Aptian has uh, really put into place a very, you know, sophisticated set of remote services and support uh, options that we can give our customers to do everything from kind of the desk side support and troubleshooting that they might need day to day to doing, you know, even a full install. So, you know, I think it's, it's a great example of ingenuity and learning to um, you know, question the assumptions we all had previously in terms of, you know, we can't do that work if we're not on site. Well, we find out we can. And, you know, with the partnership of the clients, we can make that work really, really well. A third area that we're seeing, uh, Vincent, a lot of, you know, interest in, and, you know, it's kind of where the software industry is going anyway, is is in cloud uh, products and interest, you know, interest in migrating what had been on-premise systems into the cloud because people are seeing that they're going to need, uh, again, to have remote connectivity. They need to be able to scale their businesses up and down with, you know, the demand function that they're seeing from their customers. And so the cloud gives a lot of um, companies much more flexibility to do that. And what's interesting is, in some ways, I would have thought this is the last time anyone would be investing, so to speak, in, you know, kind of making that migration. But in fact, what we're seeing with our, with many of our customers is that uh, while their, their fundamental business is still healthy, but while they have a little bit of a slowdown, they can actually take on these projects effectively and make them happen quickly. And so we're seeing, we're seeing a really nice uh, demand for cloud-based products. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of requests that I think are in line with, with the environment that we're in, which is everybody's learning to do business differently today. Yeah, that's certainly true for us as well. A lot of adaptations. But uh, interestingly, I also went to college in upstate New York uh, near Cornell, St. Lawrence, and uh, much you like even you. even colder than I was. Yeah, yeah. And much like you, I uh, started off uh, in the sciences, computer science, and then uh, I switched to uh, English. So maybe it's something to do with the cold and changing science <laughs> to English. <laughs> Uh, but Nicole, we would love to understand what your uh, team looks like. Uh, how many? You know, what are some of the key areas when you're building a marketing department? What some of the key roles are within your organization? Yeah. So, you know, I've been incredibly fortunate because Aptian is growing, and so Aptian is also investing, therefore, in building a truly world-class marketing organization. And our organization, I've structured in a way to really focus in on our end users or segments, those customer groups that I mentioned earlier, because again, Aptian's products are so industry-specific that I've organized our uh, marketing staff, a good chunk of our marketing staff, just to focus in on those customer groups. So we have four of what I would call an end user group, four end user groups that do things 
like demand generation, marketing programs, events, you know, those kinds of things. And they're focused on the various segments of our business, you know, from food and beverage to uh, general manufacturing or discrete manufacturing over to, you know, finance, insurance, um, and, and life sciences companies. So that, you know, you kind of have this very specific industry focus coming through in the marketing uh, to to make sure that, you know, the the news and the information that we're putting out there in the marketplace is highly tailored and relevant to those specific industries. In addition to those user groups, we then have uh, centers of excellence, which are functional areas that cut across those four user groups and serve and um you know, help to support the entire marketing organization. They include things like product marketing, uh, communications, and public relations. So we have that kind of function, our social and digital teams, our design teams, and so forth. So we have this nice combination, I think, of, you know, kind of industry specificity and knowledge uh, in the end user teams, and then functional marketing best practice depth uh, within those centers of excellence. In addition to maybe what is super traditional within marketing, uh, market at, at Aptian, our marketing group also includes uh, what we call, um, you know, business development representatives or account development representatives, uh, ADRs. And so, you know, we partner very, very closely with our sales uh, counterparts in order to drive the drive the lead volume uh, that they need to, you know, be able to to, uh, you know, find the right business to bring Aptian's, uh, you know, Aptian's bookings forward. So we have, you know, parts of marketing that are very traditional in terms of the functions and parts of marketing that frankly, sometimes sit in sales in some companies. Um, but because of that tight partnership that we have, it works really, really well this way at Aptian. That, that makes a lot of sense. And then is there a tool or something that you wish you had that doesn't exist today or something that uh, you don't have that would make a marketer's life a lot easier? I don't know if it's a tool. I think, you know, I think the thing that marketers always struggle with, um, AJ, and, you know, I'm sure you've heard this from some of your other guests, is in the context of attribution. And I think the reason marketing struggles with this sometimes is not so much the technology. I think we all have better technology than ever before, and we can show ROI on programs, um, you know, but I think it's the, the nature of marketing itself, which is, a, which is, you know, when done well, a really multi-layered kind of set of initiatives that, that in which, you know, you may create impressions in one media that feed you know, interest and preference over time. And so what we tend to do as marketeers is we measure the last touch and we attribute the value to the last touch. Hey, this person came in through my website or this person came in through the telemarketing center or this program or event drove them in. And while that's certainly not untrue, um, very often the reason they came to our to talk to us at that event is because they had heard about us. They'd seen our advertising or they had heard about us through a case study or they got a mention from a current customer in terms of referral. And so, you know, I think part of the reason we all yearn for better attribution is because, you know, it really, really is very hard to model 
the typical number of touches and places that we can touch. We can't do what I used to do in consumer goods quite as easily in B2B. You know, way back when, even in the uh, in the dark ages, when I was doing, you know, kind of B2C marketing, we would be able at Walmart or Kmart or, you know, any place that we were doing business to be able to look at the specific SKUs that were moving and, and really pull one lever at a time. You know, what happens if we change the price on this just a little? Or what happens if we, you know, help them with a specific promotion? And I think isolating things today is much harder. Um, so we have more tools than ever. You know, we have digital and we have social and we have, you know, fabulous websites. We have events, both digital and physical and so forth. But I think uh, the measurement is both more sophisticated and more capable than ever before, but also, you know, remains a challenge for almost every marketer I know. Uh, Definitely. And, you know, through this time, Nicole, I mean, 2020 has been a year of you know, change and pivoting for uh, organizations, among other things, of course. You know, how would you say, we touched upon it a little bit, but how would you say, you know, Aptian has been pivoting to support clients? What are some, you know, exciting new offers or technologies or softwares that you've been, you know, implementing to do so? Yeah, so I'm super excited about our latest introduction to the marketplace, uh, Aptian ePay and Aptian eCom. So as the names, you know, which are fairly functional in nature uh, imply, these are products to help our customers uh, sell when they are in a remote stance and, you know, to be able to monetize those sales really quickly. So they're, they're basically e-payment solutions and e-commerce solutions. What's important about this is, you know, a great number of manufacturers that make up a significant portion of our customer base have operated B2B or wholesale, if we want to think about it that way. And so, you know, the typical model would be to invoice uh, your customers and to get a payment. Sometimes it would come in electronically, but for many of these smaller manufacturers, they're still getting payments that, you know, might be coming in in checks mailed to an office. And guess what? There aren't too many people in that office anymore to make sure that that check gets cashed and into the bank and so forth. So our Aptian ePay solution now allows, uh, you know, these manufacturers to get paid instantly to process that transaction electronically, um, you know, and to easily make sure that they're able to better match, if you will, their revenues, uh, you know, to their business in real time. So that's, you know, that's super exciting. And then, you know, the e-commerce off offer allows uh, various kinds of businesses to essentially set up an electronic storefront um, very quickly and very easily. And, you know, many of us think about that and we go, well, there are lots of electronic storefronts out there, which is true. But for companies that have been doing mostly manufacturing or a different kind of business overall, they may not be selling electronically historically, um, you know, either to the public in a B2C manner or to even to their B2B clients. And, you know, in an exciting way, what we're seeing is that these tools are even allowing some of our B2B customers, you know, to, to think about B2C models. That's uh, that's interesting. And, you know, for those listening again, that's uh, Aptian ePay, Aptian e-commerce. And yeah, you know, Nicole, you and I were talking about it. It's it's people adapting, right? Those same restaurants in, in my uh, neighborhood in New York City. And look, people come to New York City because of the restaurants. You could, uh, I, I, the other day I walked outside and there's this new restaurant that happened to open up the week 
end before everything happened. And then it finally reopened. And, you know, I, I went there. It was one of the best meals I ever had in my life. And that's New York, right? You could just walk, you could walk less than a block and, and, and stumble on a restaurant that's great. But they had to adapt and there was a wine bar that just started selling food. I was like, how are you just starting selling food and you stumble upon one of the best meals I've ever had? But it's those restaurants that are also offering meal kits, pantries. It's uh, being able to adapt, uh, you know, and I I talked about this uh, on a podcast, you know, those restaurants who maybe didn't have an email list, didn't have a way to communicate with their customers. Get out there and do that and, and make sure you have to, you have to pivot. And you said like there's some industries out there that are, you know, flourishing. Uh, in New York City, you know what's flourishing? The moving companies. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of people moving out of here. And uh, I was like, these people, you know, they're charging whatever they want. Some of the meal delivery services, you know, yeah. like, uh, you know, like a fresh direct They are flourishing in a time like this, especially in the beginning, you know, but which leads me kind of to a question. Are are there any industries that you see and work with that have flourished and also have struggled? Yeah, no, it's a great question, you know, and I will say that, you know, at Aptian, we're incredibly fortunate that our business has been more stable than many during this time. But certainly uh, we're seeing a lot of what probably other businesses are seeing as well. In terms of flourishing, we already touched on food and beverage, Um, you know, the alcoholic beverages business seems to be pretty healthy these days, despite or perhaps enabled by the pandemic. Uh, You know, we're seeing certainly shelf-stable foods, uh, you know, kind of continue to boom. I guess the flip side within food and Bev, what we would say is that food service probably has been impacted just a little bit because, again, these are the companies that, you know, provide for restaurants and hospitality that have been so impacted during this period of time. So you see both, I think, within an industry, even uh, some parts or some subsegments flourishing and other parts struggling. Um, we have seen some uh, a little bit of slowdown as well, I would say. Um, in the part of our business that services importers and distributors. And if we think about it with closed borders and, you know, some questions in terms of what you can bring in and out of the country, especially at the beginning, um, you know, it's to be expected. So again, some of some of those businesses, what we saw was a delay uh, in some of their business, et cetera. Um, but we're, we are seeing things pick up again, and particularly in terms of interest in systems, as I mentioned earlier, or taking the opportunity to um, migrate, you know, on-premise systems to cloud. So, you know, we're seeing different kinds of trends, both within industries and then across the various segments that we serve. You know, uh, there's a there's a great deal of variety in terms of the response to it. Nicole, I know you're an English major and uh, read quite a lot. So what are some of the publications that you follow regularly and any interesting books that you have read? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I am a, I'm an avid business reader in the sense of things like the Wall Street Journal, the Financial Times, Harvard Business Review, some things like that, um, you know, for sure. Um, But I'm also somebody who tends to read multiple things. Um, We won't say simultaneously because I'm not capable of reading four books literally at the same (laughs) time. But, uh, you know, more or less, I'll sort of be 
through parts of them. And, uh, you know, so at the moment, some of the things that I'm, you know, reading and enjoying or have recently, one book uh, that the whole Aptian leadership team is reading right now is called Crucial Conversations. Um, you know, it's, it's subtitle is tools for talking when stakes are high. And, you know, we circulated this again to our leadership team because, you know, at this time in particular in the United States, there's so many tough conversations going on about race, uh, about in- inclusion, about diversity, uh, as well as the need to have sometimes some, some, you know, very direct conversations with members of our staff. How are they faring during this time? How are they holding up? How's their mental health? And so, you know, that's a book that I, you know, I read in the last couple of weeks and I keep going back to, to pieces of, um, you know, so that's the serious kind of business side. Um, you know, maybe on the more fun side, I just I just uh, have been reading a book called The Alice Network. It's historical fiction. Uh, it flashes across World War One, World War Two, uh, in the 1960s, and it is about a uh, network of spies that was run uh, that was female led in France. Um, you know, during World War One, and then again in World War Two. So it, you know, it's a it's a novel. It's it's not you know biographical uh, or nonfiction, um, but you know, kind of has a great sense of place and a great sense of drama. You know, which is very diverting, I think. Right, especially right now as we see so much seriousness around us. Um, there is a book that I've gone back to recently. I read it for the first time years ago. I think it's sort of a, I don't even know how we describe it, maybe a memoir or something like that. It's called Orbiting the Giant Hairball. Um, it was written by, it was really, isn't it a fabulous title? Um, it was written by a guy who was a pretty senior executive at Hallmark Cards for for many, many years. And it's all about, you know, how to survive the corporate jungle, if you will, the corporate politics and all of, you know, frankly, the nonsense sometimes that can go on in corporations or in companies and, you know, kind of how, how do you swim like a duck? You know, the feet are going wildly, but you're looking calm on the surface. So it does it with a lot more humor than I would ever be able to write it, but I'd highly recommend it to your, to your readers who sit back and say, you know, how do we get through with more grace and dignity the day to day while still keeping a smile on our faces? It's, you know, it's a really fun one. That, that does sound good. And I've written that one down. Uh, Vincent, you are part of our book club. I have unfortunately missed the first couple of meetings. Uh, what, are, what are you guys reading? Well, I wouldn't say you were unfortunate uh, to to miss those, but uh, you know, no, <laughs> uh, we, yeah, we started a book club here. Uh, I would not call myself an avid reader, Nicole. I would call myself a barely know how to reader. But I, um, I have we've been reading this book called Asking Questions. It's uh, the Sandler way. It's kind of like uh, some of our partnerships and our sales professionals and sales leadership. As you were reading some, you know, your team's reading some leadership books. Yeah, it's uh, asking questions and it's just kind of listen and asking the right questions to help your client. So it is interesting. You know, would I pick it normally? Uh, no, I would be crazy if I did, but I uh, I do enjoy it. It's been uh, it's been fun, surprisingly. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, you know, it's it's always, I think any of these kinds of publications, Vincent, you know, are, are always interesting when you sit back and you say, okay, how do I turn what this author is telling me, right? And how do I think about it in terms of what I do for a living? So I'm sure some of those questions are helping you as you think about, you know, how to interview people like me and how, you know, how do you turn uh, some of the questions into things that are exactly right for your audience. So there's always, you know, th- would you pick it yourself? Maybe not, but there's always something, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. I- I'm I'm joking. I'm giving my uh, sales leadership uh, a hard time. But, you know, I actually, I-, I-, I like the book. It's about sales, you know, uh, and I'm sure AJ's going, you know, uh, David's going to kill you, my, uh, you know, VP of sales. But, you know, it. I- I'm joking. It is actually interesting. And, you know, it's one of, it's more for, uh, you know, not, not even, you know, podcast related. It's kind of just like, uh, you know, asking questions. And, and when someone asks questions about your company, I just want to just, there's one quote in there that's pretty cool. It's actually says, you can't be better and the same, right? So it's how, you know, when you're talking to customers and it's like, well, how are you different? Uh, so that, that kind of is a quote that I just read in one of the chapters the other day that stood out, but, uh, but no, it is interesting. I, I read a lot of publications, B2B marketing.net. Uh, they actually have uh, great public, you know, great content. So, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm just giving the, the team a hard time. Yeah, I, I think this is a, if Vincent gets a call later, we'll know if, uh, the VP of sales listens to the podcast or not. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll cut it out. They'll, they'll dub me back in being like, I loved it so much. <laughs> Everyone else should read it. You'll you'll see in, in editing, they'll, they'll take that out. I'm kidding. <laughs> Go ahead, AJ. Uh, yeah, so, you know, what are some of the cool things uh, you guys are looking forward to at uh, your company or your department? Yeah, so you know, I think I think a number of cool things are going on right now. You know, in the last um, month, uh, we have acquired two new companies. Um, so we have welcomed Workwise Software into the Aptian family, which is a company that is headquartered in Wisconsin, or and uh, also focuses in the discrete manufacturing area. So we're super excited about that business, and you know how we can begin to work together. Uh, they ha- they have you mentioned CRMs earlier. They have a great CRM called On Contact that you know they're able to integrate with uh, the ERP software, and for a lot of you know m- small and medium-sized businesses, that kind of combination is really powerful. And then we also acquired a business called Din Solutions, and uh, they're out of the Netherlands and, um, you know, will really complement our food and beverage business there because they, you know, they have a very strong food and beverage offering, particularly uh, for for alcoholic beverages and in Europe for alcoholic uh, beverage producers who need to move uh, their products across country lines. Um, so, you know, kind of those things are very exciting to us because we have the opportunity to learn, which is always exciting, and to think through how we're going to be able to market together uh, with those with those new members of the Aptian family, some of the existing solutions that we have. So, you know, all of that's all of that's pretty exciting. And then, you know, from my team standpoint, you know, as the team continues to grow, we continue to explore ways that we can 
that we can work together better. Uh, just this morning, we did some work uh, on our communication styles and preferences together. So, um, you know, and and what's, what's lovely is we have a really well-rounded team. Um, so we have some folks who are much more analytical and, you know, kind of think data first. And we have some folks who are much more... Um, you know, kind of people oriented and really start any question with how can I take care of the team? And we have some folks who are just do it folks, you know, so learning to, you know, read each other's um, preferences, if you will, in terms of communication style and how we can better work together and continue to grow as a team is, is something that's a lot of fun. And then the last thing that I'll mention is we are busy right now with a project uh, to introduce some new branding in early 2021 for Aptian. Uh, we won't be changing the company's name or you know that kind of stuff, but I think we'll we'll have a lot of exciting stuff to be able to bring to the marketplace that we're starting to work on now. So, you know, a, a number of really really fun and exciting and new things going on. That's awesome. And and I love to hear, you know, that, you know, the team there is working on just different uh, elements of their job and how to apply it better. And, you know, like you said, bringing in someone and practicing communication styles, that's, I feel like that's very effective. Uh, and, and to that point, Nicole, we always ask this of, of our guests, especially, you know, people in the leadership uh, side like yourself, you know, morale during these times, you know, are anything, uh, you know, anything fun that you're doing out there with the team, uh, a company happy hour, uh, you know, just anything that we could share with our listeners. Yeah, well, we've definitely been doing some of the things that I know many other companies have been doing. Uh, we, we are having, first of all, I think it's important to note, we are having uh, stand-up kind of check-in meetings across every department at Aptian, as well as the senior most leadership team. We started uh, way back in March, you know, to be doing these kinds of meetings daily. And it was really initially to sit back and say, how's everybody doing? And how's everybody's physical health? Are we seeing any touch of coronavirus in terms of our business or our you know, our personnel, is there anything we need to know there? We've since reduced the frequency somewhat because I think this is now the new normal, but I have the marketeers together on Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, of every week in the morning and we get all of the, um, you know, we get all of the director levels, if you will, and up together and, you know, I ask people, how are your teams doing, et cetera. Um, and that helps us, I think, stay connected uh, understand if there's, um, you know, understand if there's something going on as, you know, either physically or, you know, think challenges in terms of the business or getting things done in this time. For fun, we've been doing, um, you know, trivia quizzes, some happy hours, uh, some things like that. The other thing that that uh, Aptian is doing, and, you know, I have to tell you, this is, you know, something sponsored by our uh, HR department and our giving department, but I have found it just fabulous is, you know, we're continuing to support a number of the charitable organizations out there that, that we have. And, uh, you know, we got this fantastic offer, I thought, as employees to be able to participate and create 
art for hospitals through the Foundation for Hospital Art. So, you know, I raised my hand for that one and I got this enormous box that came uh, to my house, you know, and I opened it up and there was, you know, paint and there was a canvas. And, you know, the good news, Vincent, is that it was like paint by number. So I didn't need particular talent in terms of, <laughs> you know, the, the ability to do this, but, um, you know, great instructions, etc. And so, you know, I painted this uh, piece of a mural, essentially, of a sea turtle for, for a children's hospital. And then, you know, when it was finished, mailed it back in. So those are things that, you know, Aptian is doing both for the community. And I think we're also doing for our employees. It gives us something to focus on other than work, something to focus on other than coronavirus, you know, and, you know, gives us a chance also to maybe build some new skills in terms of our paint by number, but also certainly give back as well. I love that. Yeah, I would need that too. I would need the paint by numbers just to make it, uh, just to make it work. I know. I you know I I do have talents. I promise you out there, people. Uh, but anyway, I you know I wanted to talk about that. I'm that's a nice segue into because, and I know you won't mention it, but uh, I want to ask you about it. All that great work you've done because it's really close to my heart. Uh, being a volunteer for seven years there, the I want to talk about your work with the big brothers, big sister program, you served on, uh, you know, that board. You also served on a board called rebuilding together. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. So I've been really fortunate to have, you know, a number of organizations in the communities in which I've lived over the years, um, you know, kind of invite me to be, uh, involved in those organizations in some cases, um, you know, my first involvement was on the board, and that was true for the, you know, local chapter on which I served on the board for Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the kind of organization that is, I think, particularly meaningful. Um, you know, this is the kind of organization that focuses on children, first of all, and, you know, on underprivileged children and ensuring that they have a set of resources and mentors to help them when they may not have a home environment that is, um, you know, perfectly set up to provide them with that. And so, you know, I served on that board for, for about three years and uh, was able to not only participate in terms of fundraising and, you know, helping the organization build its strategic plan to grow, um, but also got involved in terms of you know, the individual activities from that standpoint. And I think if I'm not mistaken, Vincent, you had a tie to big brothers, big sisters as well. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I, I actually volunteered with two different children in my uh, hometown, Porchester, New York. And even when I moved to New York City, I still kept it uh, going for as long as I could. But yeah, for, uh, and I say two, because, you know, once uh, the, the first child that I was working with, uh, he was older and he almost kind of, I guess, graduated the program and went on to do really great things and just didn't have time. And then, yeah, I, uh, my, uh, last little brother, uh, we did so many great things together. I loved it. And my wife also, uh, did it for, uh, 10 years. So I, I that's, that's an organization that's uh, near and dear to my heart. I loved, uh, I loved volunteering with them. So Nicole, you know, one of the things that's happened is, uh, we're getting a lot more LinkedIn messages, and I'm sure as a CMO of a 
large company, you're probably getting a lot of unsolicited emails and LinkedIn messages. So the one thing we love to ask our guests is, you know, what what's a message that gets you to respond and what are some of the uh, bad ways to reach you that really annoy you? Yeah, probably the best way to get me to respond is to connect with me through a mutual connection. Um, you know, somebody we all know and trust making an introduction is probably the most effective way. In terms of cold messages, I think it's, you know, we all know as marketeers, right, the, the best messages are the ones that are made relevant to us. So, you know, the messages that do a really good job of telling me um, about the person, but also what's in it for me, so to speak, quickly you know, are, are the strongest messages and the ones that I'm most likely to um, respond to. Um, the, the messages I hate, I don't see them so much on LinkedIn um, necessarily, but boy, we all get a lot of these emails, which are, you know, emails that, that first offer to set up some time with you on behalf of a third party. Um, you know, if that third, third party is too important and too busy to write me their own email, I'm not sure I really need to respond to it, first of all. And then, you know, that, that pestering follow-up that says, hey, you haven't answered my unsolicited email, you know, that you never asked for in the first place. I don't personally find that particularly inviting in terms of, you know, an urge to respond at that point. Yeah, no, I like that. I like, you know, you get those emails where it's like, yeah, uh, hey, did something happen to you? Did I say something wrong? It's like, right. no, Bill, I just don't even know who you are. Like, I don't, it doesn't matter what you say. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, good. Th those, those are good answers. Yeah, and it's hard, right? As marketeers, this is our craft. We have to figure out how do we introduce ourselves to people that we don't know. And it's harder than ever, right? We have... We have uh, systems now that tell us it's spam, you know, calling us on our phone. We have, you know, ways to look at the email that filters out any mass sends and so forth and so on. And so I think, you know, as we as we think about that, you know, within marketing, it is more important than ever for um, those of us in B2B marketing to do our homework well, right, to research the company, to know what the person does. Um, to not be overly familiar, but to have some sense of tying things in. And one of the nice techniques for this uh, that some people have used very effectively, I know, is to tie into business news that you read about and to say, you know, I read about this and, you know, we offer something that could be useful. You know, I read this about your company and, you know, this this is the angle of what I do that you might be interested in. And at least, you know, in doing that, you might or might not respond, but at least they're showing, the person is showing you that they have... Um, focused enough on the potential value of you and your business to them that they've put some time and effort into it. And it's usually worth at least reading at that point. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I always like the methodology. Uh, I am very proud of my LinkedIn network. And if someone reaches out to me, uh, you know, randomly, I will even use a, uh, an in-mail and say to them, hey, just, you know, just curious why you're reaching out. Sometimes I'm duped, Nicole. Sometimes I'm <laughs> duped. And I think I talk to people about this on the podcast and people uh, where it's like, maybe I'll have 12 or 12 connections mutual. That's like that number there. Not like 75. I know it's legit then, or, you know, and then I, and then I hit accept and pow, I get, uh, you know, an immediate reaction uh, from them selling me as soon as I hit uh, except, you know, but yeah, it, uh, 
you know, and so I, it's, it's kind of takes, you know, just that mutual connection. And then if you're reaching out, uh, you know, if you're reaching out cold or, you know, just make sure I always make sure you're using the right data and the data, right data sources, B2B data changes so rapidly, as we know, uh, gone are the days where you're at a company for 30 years, right? Um, emails are changing constantly. So we always recommend using a, a you know, reputable uh, data provider on that side, out, outside of LinkedIn. Absolutely true. Helps if you spell the person's name right as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. It's like, if you could get Petrofessa right, I know we're going to be friends. You know, that's, uh, but uh, Nicole, we are coming up to the end of the podcast. This has flown by, uh, you know, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, you know, please check out Nicole at Aptian, you know, take a look at their new uh, offerings, Aptian ePay, Aptian e-commerce. Uh, thank you for the book recommendations. Thank you for spending time with us today. We really do appreciate it. We hope you had some fun. Thank you. It was, it was delightful. And, you know, Vincent and AJ, I really appreciate what you're doing for us as a marketing community. So thanks for giving me a little airtime and a chance to, you know, chat with you guys. And thank you for, you know, giving back to us in terms of a lot of value for, for the marketeers out there. We appreciate it. That has been Nicole O'Rourke, ladies and gentlemen, the CMO of Aptian. I, of course, am Vincent Petrofessa. With me, as always, AJ Gupta, my commander-in-chief here at Starista. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day, and thank you for listening to The Marketing Stir. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at info at themarketingstir.com. Thanks for listening.